Hi guys, this is Jake Parker. Welcome back to another episode of the Beyond Fit podcast, where it's my job to help you apply knowledge that is both scientific and practical into your own life to maximize your physique development and your overall body, as well as your mind. The combination of these two things is what makes you Beyond Fit. Hi guys, this is Jake Parker. You're listening to the Beyond Fit podcast. Today, I'm just doing a solo episode where I wanted to go over a couple of the bro science rumors that hold people back that I see people questioning me about that I used to fall victim to in the past. Uh, the episode today is called Explaining Bro Science, Tips That Made Me Fat, Muscle Protein Synthesis, Protein Absorption, and Shocking the Muscle. So all these things are going to be more or less related because like I said, they are bro science principles, I guess, so to speak, that I followed in the past, or like I said, that I still see people questioning me about on Instagram or just friends and family that say, oh, you know, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? And the, the tough thing with bro science is that it really sounds accurate. And it sounds like things that make sense. You go, oh, you know, based on what I know about the body, I guess that seems right. But the thing is, you have to think kind of like a scientist. And that's why I like the science-based, the evidence-based terminology and focus in fitness and in bodybuilding, because it really comes down to what is the evidence and what do studies show and what can be observed not that that is everything. Anecdotes and personal theories and practices still have some weight, but we have to just approach things not blindly believing, you know, something we read in X magazine, or that's what it always used to be for me in the past. It would be like bodybuilding magazines or, you know, this bodybuilder that you saw on Instagram or whatever it is. Really try to break things down and look at them logically. And the biggest things that I now realize, in addition to trying to understand scientifically, and in an evidence-based lens, where things are coming from, is I get a lot of benefit from thinking about things primally. And in terms of what did humans used to have to go through, our ancestors, hunter-gatherers, because I find it really interesting to think about the uh, myths in terms of the people that we came from, which obviously we're still very similar to. So like, for example, uh, when you talk about stoking your metabolism and eating frequent meals and stuff like that, that really breaks down when you think about the fact that people had to eat meals, you know, every two, three days, maybe if they couldn't hunt and gather enough food, it wasn't like they were eating every few hours or they were even eating like a breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And so that is something that I also like to look at in this context. As far as the first part here, tips that made me fat. And then I'm going to go into, like I said, the muscle protein synthesis, protein absorption, shocking the muscle, because they're all kind of going to be related to these things that I'm going to discuss here. So the first one is just to eat high protein, eat a lot of protein. Now this is great advice, but you have to be careful how you apply this advice. Because for me in the past, eat a bunch of protein was basically how I took it. And number one, it wasn't tracked. And number two, I would just eat anything that I thought had a lot of protein. So this might be things like chicken breasts, of course, um, is a good one. Or it might be something like chicken wings or a burger or a steak, which happens to have tons of fat with it as well. 
So if you're just eating really fatty sources of protein all day, that is going to lead to a lot of excess calories and going to make you put on body fat. And if you're not tracking to see how much protein you're eating, you might not even be falling into the appropriate range, which as I've said before, can vary individually, but generally most people want to shoot for one gram of protein per pound of body weight. So the one thing I wish that I would have done sooner was start to utilize shakes more often. I talk a lot about the benefit of protein shakes and that you should have them not just after your workout, which is fine, uh, not 100% necessary, especially if you're about to have a meal. But I really like protein shakes for breakfast, if you're in the hurry, you know, on the go, or just because there's not a ton of really high protein options for breakfast, for a snack, for, again, just something like if you're out traveling or whatever, and you can't get a whole food source of protein, they're really good for that. They're really good as an addition to a meal that's just really low protein, like say you're eating out and you're eating something tasty, but maybe it only has like 20 or so grams of protein. Throwing in a shake before or after that meal is going to be helpful there. Or maybe you have something like a sandwich, which again, isn't going to be a huge serving of protein. Throwing in a shake before or after a meal like that is going to be really helpful. So I tend to drink protein shakes once or twice a day. Um, three times a day wouldn't even be excessive, but I eat enough meat and stuff like that, that I don't feel like that's necessary for me. But to hit that one gram of protein per pound of body weight is no small feat. You basically have to be eating, I generally tell people three servings of protein with your meals. So maybe eggs once and then uh, meat twice, or maybe like eggs and then one meal having cottage cheese or Greek yogurt and then meat. Uh, it's really hard to do this without any meat. You can, um, that would be something I'd kind of have to go more in depth on. If anyone is curious to talk to me about that, like I said before, you can always reach out to me on Instagram or through my email, but basically you really have to prioritize protein to get it up this high and just thinking, okay, I'm going to eat high protein. I'm going to eat foods with a lot of protein. I'm going to eat a lot of protein. I'm saying that in quotations here a lot. If you don't track it, you probably aren't going to know what's appropriate and you're probably not going to hit the appropriate range. And even if you are, like I said, you might be going too high on these other macronutrients like fat uh, when you're eating fatty sources of protein, which is going to make you just overconsume calories. So it's really this balance of eating in a calorie controlled diet where, you know, you fall within the certain range based on your metabolism and certain other factors, whether you're trying to gain or lose weight. But like I was pointing out, the point is to try to get about a gram of protein per pound of body weight, which is something you have to approach strategically. It's very easy once you approach it strategically and really think about how to do that and emphasize shakes and emphasize eating meat or other higher sources of protein that don't have lots of other calories. But it is something that you can't just land on from saying, I'm going to eat a lot of protein. I'm going to eat foods with, with lots of protein in them and not being mindful of what that means or what other contexts have to be looked at. Another tip that made me fat, eat every two to three hours to, and again, I'll use quotes here, stoke the metabolism. So this one was especially prevalent in my life. And I know that if you paid any attention to the bodybuilding lore in the last 10 years or so, you've probably heard this. And where this comes from is most food, yes, is broken down within two to three hours in the body. But that is because we generally tend to eat meals that get broken down in this period. So basically what I tell people is it's all about calories. 99% of people should really just focus on overall calories before they think about meal timing. Unless you're an athlete or someone with a very specific focus, you really don't need to focus too much on meal timing. It comes down to calories. And again, like I just talked about, 
getting an appropriate amount of protein. I think a lot of times we don't give our body proper credit for its ability to preserve muscle mass and to build muscle and to be lean, but you really have to, again, like I said, know what sort of levers you're pulling here. I used to try to eat every two to three hours, you know, my first mm, almost eight years of bodybuilding, which I say would more or less have taken place from like 14 to 22. And I know that looking back now, this is why I always had so much excess body fat, because again, I was just eating when I wasn't hungry. I was eating too many calories because I thought that you had to stoke the metabolism, which I think was just one of those things that people looked at the wrong information, looked at things the wrong way, um, maybe had some basis of evidence, because like I said, generally, that's how long it takes to, to break down an average meal. But it's just way too focused on the wrong thing again. So for example, me, I try to eat three meals a day, pretty steadily, three meals that are going to be more or less balanced with carbs, fats, and protein, maybe throw vegetables in there at least once a day, maybe twice, but not getting too worked up if I have to have two meals because I'm busy and I eat two really big meals. Um, like I've talked about before on the podcast, I fast once a month for 24 hours. So on those days, I only eat one really big meal. Don't get caught up in this stoking your metabolism. That's that's in, almost entirely a myth and not something you have to worry about. Go four, five, six, seven hours between meals. It's basically just up to how you like to feel um, fullness wise. And obviously you don't want to really let yourself get really hungry because that's not just comfortable. Not that it's necessarily the worst thing physiologically, but really just eat to your comfort as far as what time you like to eat. I, for example, would say I do some iteration of intermittent fasting every day where I wake up around six, six 30, and then I'll have breakfast around nine after having dinner the night before, maybe at seven. So not a really intense intermittent fasting, but it's not like I have breakfast first thing upon waking, just because that's not something I prefer. It's not really something I enjoy when it comes to the context of having food around your workout. You do want to be fed usually more often than not, just because it feels better to work out when you have some food in your stomach usually. And maybe you're someone who disagrees with that and there's nothing wrong with that. But instead of the anabolic window, as it's been called in the past, I tell people to look at the peri-workout window and to honor the peri-workout window, which basically just says, make sure you eat some meal, some food within five hours before or after your workout. So that's gonna be almost everyone, you know, not even having to focus on it, but just eating your typical three meals a day, um, or, and just being hungry because you're about to work out or you, or you just worked out. So that's almost something you don't even have to pay attention to, but calories and protein are what I always track with my clients, because I just know based on my own research and based on working, you know, just with my own body, how important these two things are and how heavily they trump anything else that you could focus on. Um, that word anabolic actually also brings up a good point because I know that especially I think it's most prevalent in the supplement industry where people will bring up the word anabolic and making your body an anabolic environment and trying to fight catabolism, which is the breaking down of muscle. And yes, scientifically anabolic means the building up of muscle and catabolic means the breaking down of muscle for our intents and purposes. Uh, there may be a little bit more of a scientific definition that I'm not completely giving credence to, but th that, that'll work for us, I guess. And basically what I say about this is, yes, your body does go into periods of anabolism and catabolism, but you don't have to worry about the catabolism breaking down your gains or stealing away your muscle because much like how our body uh, uses the nutrients that we feed it, 
uh, as far as calories, as far as from the meals that we're eating and the food that we're eating every day. I, I think a lot of people don't realize this, but basically what happens is every time you eat a meal, your body is storing some of those calories as body fat. And then throughout the day, say I eat at noon and then I eat again at six. So I'm going to store some of those nutrients from noon as uh, from my meal at noon as body fat. And then as I taper off and start to need more energy, more uh, when it gets closer to six, because I haven't eaten, the body's going to eat away at some of that body fat and it's going to kind of even out. So your body is in this constant period of breaking down nutrients, turning them into muscle, turning them into fat. And then your body preferentially takes away body fat first to eat away at for energy. Um, and basically my point there is that's similar to how the anabolic and catabolic systems work in your body where you work out or you eat protein. And that's something, like I said, we'll get into, but you do one of these anabolic activities and your body focuses on muscle tissue preservation and gaining of muscle. As long as you know, you're doing other things like recovering and your workout is programmed properly. Um, so you do these things, you eat protein, those are anabolic activities, you're going to build up muscle. And if you once you go for a while without having food, and this is natural, this happens to anyone, uh, your body is going to catabolize some of that muscle that you gained. But over time, if you're doing the right things like eating enough protein, and you have the proper stimulus in your workouts, the anabolic activity is going to far outweigh the catabolic activity leading to muscle gain. So it's just one of those things where you're always going to have both. It's like night and day, you're not going to have one without the other, you can't just get rid of catabolism, but you just want to focus on having the right systems in place where more anabolic activities are taking place. And simply, like I said, that's just strength training, progressively overloading, eating enough protein, eating enough calories, stuff like that. The last tip that I wanted to talk about before I go into a little bit more of the science behind these three topics is uh, the tip that you need to A, shock the muscle and B, just go high reps to get toned or lean and low reps to get big and strong. Basically, the shocking of the muscle, I guess, is something I want to kind of break down further with this specific topic when I go into it next. But the lifting high reps to get toned, that is, again, basically completely a myth. I think the only thing that would have some semblance of truth there would be that, yes, if you're going to go higher reps, you are probably going to end up burning a little bit more calories. And again, it's only going to be a little bit, if any at all, because what happens is, of course, if you're lifting more reps, you're going to not be able to handle as much weight. And if you're lifting lower reps, you're going to be able to handle more weight. So the stimulus is going to be similar. But again, just because there's more going on when you're lifting more reps, you might burn a few more calories. But what it comes down to for getting lean or getting toned, it's not about something that takes place in the muscles. You either build muscle up or you don't. And that can take place through high reps, through low reps. That's something I'll get into further. But getting lean and getting toned is all about your body fat. So that is all about your calories in versus calories out. So again, mostly with bodybuilding, we spend a period of time through the year bulking and a period of time cutting. So when you're cutting, you're trying to get rid of body fat and preserve muscle. And what I used to do when I would do this is I thought, okay, I got to get the muscle toned and lean, not realizing that muscle um, gain is just a basically a linear process and it doesn't necessarily happen with a definition focus where one part of muscle building is the size of the muscle and one is the definition. No, it's basically just getting it bigger and then getting leaner as far as losing body fat to show it off. And so I would go low rep and I think the, the, or sorry, I would go high rep trying to quote unquote tone up. And the big problem here was that I didn't have a heavy enough stimulus 
to keep as much muscle as I would like to. So I never looked as good in a cut as I do now when I cut and I go really low rep and heavyweight because I know that because it requires a little bit less energy, I'm going to be able to get a heavier stimulus on my body and keep more muscle on while I'm in a calorie deficit and while I'm losing fat. So once you become a little bit more advanced, it becomes a little bit more trivial, whether you go high rep, high rep or low rep. And something I talk a lot about with clients is the high rep, excuse me, the high rep, low rep paradigm depends a lot on the lift that you're doing. So for example, with lateral raises or something that's a really single joint exercise where lateral raises are just working the deltoid, calf raises, you're only working the calf, uh, bicep and tricep work, forearm work, this kind of stuff, I'm almost always going to program with at least 12 reps, usually more like 15 to 20 even, because they're just smaller muscles. So they're hard to work with really low reps. Whereas things like the squat bench deadlift generally are not going to go over eight reps, maybe close to 10 on some of those, just because they're so intensive and they take so much energy and muscle from the body to complete that it's just not appropriate to do them very often in like the 15 to 20 rep range at all. That's one thing I look at and would be sure to focus on, but also just knowing that hypertrophy usually happens, they say from eight to 16 reps generally. And again, varying from exercise to exercise, but if you want to focus on building up muscle and getting it bigger and getting it stronger, which more or less always happens literally on the same rate, you want to focus on that higher rep range actually when you're eating in a calorie surplus and you're trying to bulk usually. And if you're trying to cut and retain muscle mass as you're losing fat, you're going to want to go a little bit lower rep and heavier because that's going to take less out of you. And it always is going to be a heavier stimulus to keep muscle on. I know that was kind of a roundabout way of explaining all that. Basically, high rep to tone is a myth. Strength and size happen on the same scale linearly. And so we always want to focus on building up muscle and then preserving it as we try to cut down on body fat to be lean and to be toned. So as far as shocking the muscle, this is another one of those principles that, okay, it makes sense in theory. Oh, okay, you can fuse or shock the muscle. And so then it changes because it's not used to the stimulus that you're giving it. Okay, yeah, maybe. But where this falls apart is that confusion or shocking the muscle isn't the key. It is progressively overloading the muscle. So yes, that I guess is a form of shocking or confusing the muscle where you subject it to more stress, to more stimulus, to more weight or reps or whatever it is. And it grows because it has to, because it sees this threat to its body to, oh, I have to lift more weight because more is required of me. So it gains more muscle tissue. Whenever I talk to clients about progressive overload, I say that of course, weight and reps are going to be the two biggest forms and the two most obvious forms. But when you're increasing range of motion, when you are having a slower tempo, when you are decreasing the rest that you need, when you're getting a better mind muscle connection. So like the best example of mind muscle connection is really feeling a bicep curl throughout the entire lift in your bicep and not having to use your back, not having to use your shoulder. Um, but anytime these things are happening, even if weight and reps aren't necessarily going up, uh, these latter four things that I mentioned, you are progressively overloading in a way, but progression and getting either better at a lift or getting stronger at a lift by adding weight and reps is the only way to properly grow muscle. And there's no sense in trying to confuse or shock the muscle with just using a bunch of different exercises, a bunch of different rep ranges, et cetera, et cetera, which I know 
a lot of you probably have done in the past. And again, it's kind of a hard paradigm to get over. I used to do this kind of stuff all the time in my early bodybuilding career. And I saw my body absolutely take off when I took months and months to focus on specific exercises and just getting bigger and stronger in them, adding weight, adding reps, um, sometimes just getting more technically sound with the form. The only thing I would say that sometimes maybe works as a method of shocking or confusing the muscle is you do want to switch up exercises every two, three, four months, just because yes, it does get harder to progress at a certain exercise when you've been doing it for a long time. And so switching from something like the cable row to the barbell row as an exercise for your back is going to hit the muscles a little bit differently. And so practicing on that for a few months is going to kind of give your body a break from the same range of motion that it's starting to know really well. And that since you've gotten better at it, and since you've added reps and weight, it's kind of you're reaching that point of diminishing returns. So switching exercises and confusing the body in that way is about the only way that I would see as appropriate for using this sort of terminology or using this sort of focus. So the last two things I wanted to talk here are in relation to protein again, which I mentioned at the beginning. So first and foremost, like I said, you want to focus on the right sources of protein, which are high protein and moderate to low calorie, unless you really are focusing on bulking and need to eat a lot of calories. You don't have to worry as much about that. Um, but generally when you look at things like Greek yogurt, cottage cheese, um, egg whites, meat, protein powder. These are some that I've mentioned before as really high protein and not having a ton of other calories. Eating these two to three times a day is going to help you get up to that number of one gram per protein of protein per pound of body weight. And again, if someone was a beginner and had never focused on getting protein before, I might steer them more towards 0.6 grams of protein per pound of body weight because I just know how tough it is to get those high amounts if you've never focused on eating a lot of protein. And in general, if you've just done a lot of eating out or just kind of eaten like your family has always eaten or never focused on eating quote unquote healthy in any way, it's kind of a shock to eat that much protein. But um, that just to say that eating enough protein, eating a high protein diet is first and foremost before you worry about something like muscle protein synthesis or protein absorption. And these are two areas that are really riddled with myths too. So I'll try to break them down pretty succinctly here. Muscle protein synthesis is essentially just replacing damaged uh, muscle tissue. So when you work out and you go and break down muscle, eating protein is going to provide the muscle protein synthesis that is going to grow new muscle. And again, this is a place where people kind of get lost and say, okay, so I want this to happen three or four times a day and I have to eat this much protein every time not something I'd worry about very much. Again, the, the protein absorption, I guess I'll work into the same um, sort of advice where, yes. So usually when people talk about the advice of, oh, every two to three hours, you need more protein. Again, that's probably because in the past, people have looked at the evidence of what happens when protein or meals get broken down by the body. And we look at people that generally eat a specific uh, sides of meal. And that's how long it takes to get broken down. If you eat a bigger meal, it's going to take a little bit longer and don't ever think that your body's not able to absorb some amount of protein. Like I know it's been said before that the body can only absorb 30, 40, 50, you know, whatever you want to say, grams of protein at a time. And this is simply not true. If you take in more than that, it's just going to take longer for the body to break it down. Now, if you do want to get practical with it, it is best to have protein two or three times a day. 
in order to spread out your feedings, because that's going to be a little bit better for gaining muscle and for optimal muscle protein synthesis, but don't worry about doing five or six meals a day or five or six protein feedings a day or anything like that. You're going to max out the benefits at three or four. And even if you do, like I said, one or two, I mean, most people aren't going to have that one meal a day with protein. But like I said, when I fast for 24 hours and do that one meal a day, I don't notice, and it's only once a month. So I wouldn't probably notice, but I don't think that there's much of a difference. It's all about that focus of getting enough protein in relation to your body weight. And so don't worry about the protein not getting absorbed or this or that. Um, you do want to try to have a feeding that is about 20 grams or more of protein. Otherwise it's going to be tough for that muscle protein synthesis to start to happen if it's like 10 to 15 grams. But oftentimes that's just what it's going to take to get your numbers, your daily numbers up anyway. So if someone is trying to focus on, okay, I'm going to get 0.6 to one gram of protein per pound of body weight. If you're looking at that practically and you're eating a few meals a day, you're going to have to put so much protein in every meal just to get there. So having enough protein each time where it's 20 plus grams is just something that be kind of, kind of becomes inconsequential because it just has to happen for your numbers to get that high in the first place. And that is another reason why I always just say, focus on that overall number. First and foremost, get your protein higher, focus on what you want your calories to be and how to get there. And again, it always, it doesn't always come down to counting, but it just comes down to, okay, I eat three similar meals a day and they're generally made up of this. So I land within this calorie range and also kind of looking at the scale, maybe once a week, maybe every other week to say, okay, I'm either losing weight or I'm gaining weight or I'm staying about the same. And is that in line with what my goal is right now and adjusting your intake up or down from there. But hope that helped to explain some of these bro sciencey tips that maybe have held you back in the past, like they helped me. Um, if you need any more clarification, please feel free to reach out. And if you have any other bro science suggestions for topics you want to hear about on the podcast or any topics at all, you can always reach out to me and I would be happy to work those into an episode either with myself or a qualified guest, if that's something we feel is necessary. So thanks guys. Have a great rest of your week. Hi guys, this is Jake Parker. Welcome back to another episode of the Beyond Fit podcast, where it's my job to help you apply knowledge that is both scientific and practical into your own life to maximize your physique development and your overall body, as well as your mind. The combination of these two things is what makes you beyond fit.